John 20, verses 24 through to 31, page, page 1089, if that's a help to you. That's John 20, starting at verse 24. Jesus appears to Thomas. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Thanks, Ben, for reading. Do keep that open in front of you as we come to look at this. The climax, the climax of John's Gospel. Um, um, you, you'll have spotted, haven't you? You've spotted, haven't you? How easy it is to swap the word want for need. Have you noticed that? Uh, things you want suddenly become things you need. It comes out in phrases like this, I, I need a bit of chocolate. I need a beer. The word need gets used there. Someone on Thursday in the church kitchen downstairs, I heard them say, don't we have any peppermint tea? I love being in Cambridge. <laughs> the things you need. I don't want to embarrass Rachel too much. She was asking, she was asking for someone else. That's outrageous, isn't it? There's a funny feed on, on Twitter I came across as well called Best Things Overheard in Waitrose. Uh, there was many that made me smile. Here's just one of them. I think it might come up as well. Is it up next, Scott? No, it's not there. Oh, you've not got the updated one. Let me just, um, let's see what else goes wrong. Let me just read it out for you. It went like this. Waitrose have sold out of my favorite Duchy of Cornwall zesty lemon curd, so don't talk to me about your problems. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's quite a mouthful, isn't it? Even just to, to say all of that. Now, you laugh at those. You, you laugh at those, but you know there's other stuff where you begin to feel, or you can begin to feel, maybe, maybe I do need something else. Maybe there's other things that I need. And as we come towards the end of John's gospel, as we've been going through this gospel over the, uh, the past year, hearing about the Lord Jesus, it's a valid question, isn't it? What do you need? Uh, what do you need if you're really going to believe in Jesus? What do you need if you're really going to find and live your life through him? At school, at work, when your family's a mess, when you feel in a bit of a mess, when there's no peppermint tea, uh, what do you need? be good to know, wouldn't it? Oh, what are the things you need? Th- this passage speaks about that. John does it. If you... If you read it carefully, he does it in a kind of subversive way because he tells us a story about someone else and what they think they need. And then at the end, he comes for you. It's you he's after. You see verse 31, if you've got it open in front of you, uh, 
lands it like this, but these are written that you may believe. He's got you in view all those years ago when he wrote it. For anyone who read these words, that's who he's got in view. It's written about them, but it's written for you. John wraps up this passage. He kind of wraps up the book here. Steve, Steve's right in many ways. This is, this is the climax. There'll be a, a kind of epilogue coming afterwards. But he, he wraps up the book wanting to tell you and me in a kind of big picture way what, what we really need. And the story, just remember what, what's happened. It's, it's been, as we come into this passage, it's, it's Resurrection Day, the, the day of Jesus' resurrection. Stories start coming out. The disciples gathered in a house, doors locked and afraid. And Jesus appeared to them. Back in verse 21, just before our reading began, he appears in the room and he says, Peace be with you. But now, verse 24, John tells us someone was missing. Now Thomas, also called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. We're not told why, but he wasn't there. And when he gets there, Jesus is gone. And the other apostles, I guess for the first time, the other apostles tell him the Easter message. Verse 25. We've seen the Lord. We've seen him. I guess it's, in many ways, it's the the first kind of Easter Sunday sermon. Very short one. And Thomas says, I won't believe it. I need more than a bunch of slightly shaky people meeting in a room giving me a message about Jesus being alive again. It's not enough. I need more. It's warm evening, isn't it? You'll be feeling the heat. Uh, if you've got the passage in front of you, just for a minute, why not chat, just to make sure we're keeping awake. Uh, chat with someone sitting beside you. What, what does Thomas say he needs? What's he after? And do you have any sympathy with him? Uh, see what you think. Just have a moment to, to chat. Let's keep, keep alert as we look at this. What does Thomas think he needs? Do you have sympathy? Sorry? <laughs> Steve's gone. He's gone. He's gone to hide. Okay, you can, you, can keep those, you can keep those thoughts going around your head. But it, it's pretty clear, isn't it? Uh, Thomas, uh, Thomas uh, says he needs to see Jesus, wants to see him, wants to touch him. Uh, he needs a dramatic sign, and he's quite stubborn with it. I will not believe. 
He's kind of emphatic with it. And then the story goes on. It's a week later. A week's gone on with him like this. I'm not going to believe this. And a week later, verse 27, they're in the house again. Doors are locked. They're still frightened. And Jesus arrives again on the scene through the locked doors. He's alive. He can enter locked rooms. That doesn't seem to be a barrier to him anymore. And in verse 27 as well, he seems to know everything you've said, even when he's not there. He knows everything that Thomas has said. It's a little bit unsettling. I, I mean, John doesn't really draw a lot of attention to it. He just, just It comes out in the conversation. He knows what's been said, even when he's not there. And then Thomas makes one of the great statements of faith, the climax of the book. He it changes everything for him as he says, my Lord and my God. It's a bit like summing up what this whole book has been pushing us towards as you think about Jesus. It's a bit like Thomas saying, you're the Christ. You're the Lord. You are God's King. You are the Lord who was promised. And you are the Son of God. You're divine. You are in very nature God, but he's made it personal. My Lord and my God. He's owning this for himself. It changes everything for him. Now, you could think at this point, just reading the narrative, that Thomas has got what he said he needed. He said he needed a dramatic sign. And he's got to see Jesus, hasn't he? Jesus has come with the offer. Touch me if you want to. I'm here. He's seen him. But that's not quite right as soon as you read verse 29. Because then Jesus said to him, after Thomas's great declaration of faith, because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. And you realize in some ways Thomas has been told off. When Thomas says, what I need is to see Jesus, Jesus says, no, Thomas, that's not what you need. It's not what anyone really needs, at least not in the way you mean it, Thomas. Now, Thomas, he is, because he's got one of the roles as the apostle, he's going to be an apostle, And so because of that, he needs to see Jesus because he's going to be one of the eyewitnesses. If you're going to be an eyewitness, you're going to have to have seen Jesus. So for that reason, he needs to see Jesus. But in order to believe, in order to know Jesus properly, in order to live for him, he he doesn't need to see him for that, to touch him for that. And remember this little conversation written about them, but written for us. So this is about what we need as well. If you're going to believe in Jesus, if you're going to live for him, as you head into school, you head off to work, as you think, can I face the the challenge when putting Jesus first means I've got to be honest about a battle with pornography or a battle with bitterness or gossip that I know really isn't going very well. Or when living for Jesus even puts me at odds with my own sense of identity. When my desires go against what he commands. Or as you get older, and life is hard, and some of the good things, not, not, even, the, not even the bad or the selfish things, but some of the good things that the Bible would say are good, some of the good things that you've prayed for, and you've prayed for for years, don't seem to be answered. The way you thought they should have or could have. And it seems to be that either God's not there or he's saying no. What do you need? It'd be nice if Jesus showed up, wouldn't it? 
be nice if he appeared in the room, gave you a dramatic sign, a miracle to change things, maybe an angel to appear. That's what I need. And yet you read this and Jesus says, no. No, that's not what you need. So what do we need? And what do we need to do? Here's, here's the first of, of two thoughts from the passage tonight. We need God's Word in a church family. You think back about John's Gospel and we'll realize Jesus has been telling us over these past few chapters what we really need. I'm going to mention a few of them. Back in, in John 14, verse 23, it's up on the screen. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them. And we will come to them and make our home with them. You'll experience this Jesus. John 15, verse 9 and 10. As the Father loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love if you keep my commands. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept the Father's commands and remain in his love. We go forwards. John 17, verse 20. Jesus, on the night of his arrest, prays this. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message. That's the apostle's message. What do you need? What do you really need to to know him deeply? To experience him? this glorious King, this Son of God who's come and given his life on a cross. Jesus says we need to hear and respond to his words through the message of the apostles. And he's also been saying that that message is, is meant to come to us in a particular context. It's meant to come to us in a certain way. It's meant to we're meant to hear it and see it worked out in a bunch of relationships. Back in these chapters as well, back in In John 13, Jesus says this, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. It says again, a little while later, John 15, verse 12, My command is this, Love each other as I have loved you. When I was younger, I don't know if you used to do this kind of thing. I used to love it if I found it anywhere where I could get an echo. You know that? I used to stand for ages shouting something out and hearing the echo come back. I thought it would be really cool tonight if I, just at the point I said that, the sound desk could make my voice echo in some way. But we can't do that. So it's not very impressive. You just need to imagine it. But you, you know the way it goes. You're standing somewhere, maybe there's a, a wall and you used to shout out and the, you can hear your voice coming back. It's always a bit fainter. But the sense of the words is there. The sense of the sound comes back to you again. Jesus is telling his friends to to love one another in a way that echoes, if you like, the way Jesus loves them. They, They can't die for each other's sin. They can't do it in that kind of way. But trusting Jesus, they can love other sinners. They can look to forgive them as well. They can keep that community of relationships going. They can point always to the cross, a way that echoes Jesus. Encourage them to trust God and turn to him. What does Jesus say we need? What does he say we really need? We 
we need to hear his message from the Bible in the context of a group of people who are committed to echoing Jesus' love. That's what he says we need. And then you think about where Thomas was. Now, that night, that week, at the end of the week, he's, he's in a room with a bunch of friends who are a bit scared but committed to Jesus and to each other. They've, they've gathered together. And they were telling the apostles' message to him of Jesus being raised. Of course they were, because they were the apostles. That was their job. First people to do it. And Thomas said, it's not enough. I need more than that. And Jesus says, no, Thomas. This is what you need. And in that context, Jesus gives wonderful assurance, doesn't he? Verse 26, where he says, peace be with you. And, and that word peace, back in the Old Testament, the word peace would be shalom. It's, it's God's sense of everything being just the way it should be. Right relationship with God. When, when Jesus speaks that word, that's what he's getting at. It's God's peace. You're right with God. And as he calls those who believe in him, even though they've not seen him in verse 29, blessed. The, uh, the word blessed in some versions of the Bible gets translated happy, but it means much more than that. It carries a sense of you're accepted by God. And what if you could live life confident about that? What if you could know whatever else is going on, you're right with God, you're accepted by him. That's what you need, Thomas. And to hear the gospel message with friends who love Jesus and who love you, who will echo Jesus' love to you. Church is a funny thing, isn't it? Because here we are, here we are tonight, a bunch of shaky people meeting in a room. Some of us, I imagine, I don't know everything that's going on for, for most of you, but some of us, I imagine, are a bit frightened about what's going on in life, even at the moment. Maybe no one else knows about it. And we're hearing the message about Jesus raised from the dead, a message as we've been hearing through John's gospel about our sin, the depths of it, how deep it goes, the darkness it produces in our lives, the way it turns us away from God, leaves us cut off from him, hell-bound. And yet hearing about his forgiveness, about the way he's come for us, and just sitting in this room, hearing that message, and you think, surely I need more than this. Surely I need a dramatic sign. If only we had more miracles. If only we were in a church that had more supernatural activity. And then Jesus says, through his word here, as he comes to the end of the gospel message about him, as John wraps it up, he says, if you want to hear and really believe you've got peace with God, that you're under his blessing, if you want to find life in my name and how to, to live believing in me, this is what you need. Hearing God's word amongst a church family that's echoing Jesus' love. And you might say, Look, but sometimes the sermons are really boring when we come to church. Have you found that as well? I thought it was just me. No excuses. Steve's can be, can't they? Oh, come on. I'm only joking. <laughs> Sometimes sermons can be a bit boring, but it's still what we need, isn't it? God's word proclaimed to us about a Savior who loves us, who's come for us, about our need for forgiveness, 
to be told week in, week out, this is who you are. This is what he's done. But it's hard being committed. It's hard being committed to a church family because I've been hurt and upset at church. And if you say that, now I knew that wasn't just me. There's no excuses. It's bad when that happens. Someone was telling me on Friday about the way someone spoke to them at church, and it it sounds like it was just plain rude and hurtful. But I think this would say to us that, look, echoing Jesus' love will often mean echoing Jesus' forgiveness. And Jesus says it's what we need. But it's hard being committed, isn't it? Because my, my life's a bit complicated. And I can well imagine it. You can get into a bit of a hole for all sorts of reasons. And I think the gospel would say that's why we need to be in a place where we hear the gospel among others who echo Jesus' love. I don't know if you've ever watched it. It came out years ago. The West Wing. It's one of my favorite TV shows. I think I've watched it about three times. And Julia uh, says to me, I think it's just about time we can start watching the whole thing again. There's seven seasons of it. It's set set in the White House if you've not seen it. And I'm going to show you a little scene that I love from it. Um, Josh, who's one of the, the White House staff, he's got into a bit of a state and Leo, his boss, is waiting to see him. And you wonder what's going to happen. Is his job going to be on the line? Is he going to be turfed out? Uh, we're going to watch it on the screen now. Thanks, Scott. How'd it go? Did you wait around for me? How'd it go? He thinks I may have an eating disorder. Josh. And uh, fear of rectangles. That's not weird, is it? I didn't cut my hand on a glass. I broke a window in my apartment. This guy's walking down the street when he falls in a hole. The walls are so steep he can't get out. A doctor passes by and the guy shouts up, Hey, you, can you help me out? The doctor writes a prescription, throws it down in the hole and moves on. Then a priest comes along and the guy shouts up, Father, I'm down in this hole, can you help me out? The priest writes out a prayer, throws it down in the hole and moves on. Then a friend walks by. Hey, Joe, it's me, can you help me out? And the friend jumps in the hole. Our guy says, Are you stupid? Now we're both down here. The friend says, Yeah, but I've been down here before, and I know the way out. As long as I got a job, you got a job, you understand? Do you hear that? The friend, don't know if you could hear that well. Man stuck in the hole, the friend uh, jumps down. What are you doing down here? And now we're both stuck, and he says, yes, but I've been down here before. And I know the way out. You stand back and you think about the gospel message we've been hearing over this past year. John's told it to us. And you think, all of our lives are complicated. Don't flatter yourselves in that regard, thinking somehow you're special or different to anyone else. We're all the same. All of us have been down on a hole, but we have a friend. We have a friend that the gospel has been introducing us to, the Lord Jesus. And he has come down to bring us out. 
And what he says that we need is to be in a church where we will hear his gospel message among people who are committed in a way that echoes his own love to also come down with us and help us follow Jesus out. Now, if that's what we need, if we, if we need God's word in the church family, what, what should we do? I've been trying to think uh, this week of a couple of little phrases to help me remember this. Here's what I came up with, and much more briefly, just as we, uh, we come to an end, and it's this, look, listen and do, uh, show, up and sh- show up and share, Listen and do. You read this passage and you realize that Thomas, that Jesus doesn't commend Thomas for being kind of hungry for dramatic spiritual signs. No, he tells him off for not believing the apostles' message. End of verse 27, Jesus says to him, Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas should have listened. He should have listened to what they said and believed, along with the other things that John recorded that Thomas would have known about, that we've read about as well. And it's the same for us. We've got responsibility as we gather as a church to listen to what Jesus says and to trust him. To put it into practice, to obey what he says, listen and do. We want to be the kind of church that listens and does. That would be a good thing to pray, wouldn't it? Good thing to pray for us. Pray for yourself. Pray for others. And pray that our church would keep remembering what we really need is God's word. And then look, show up and share. In a church like ours, it's easy to think, if I, if I didn't come, no one would miss me. You ever feel like that? Sometimes when I'm feeling particularly sorry for myself, they're the kind of thoughts that I have. If I didn't come, nobody would even notice. Nobody would even notice. And look, because of our size at times, it's possible that we might not notice straight away, and that's bad. We've got to work harder on that. But even if we don't notice, we would be missing you. Because we're meant to be committed to each other, echoing Jesus' love. And if we're not around, we are missing each other in that regard. So show up at church. Show up regularly. You tired at the end of the week? I bet you are. Come anyway. It's only an hour or so. It'll be okay. Show up. Home groups, you're part of those. Show up in a committed way. Be the dependable one. I used to think it sounds boring, doesn't it? You're a bit dependable. Uh, yeah, be reliable. Be the dependable one, not the half-hearted one. Uh, some of you are going to be leaving grafted and maybe worrying about Tuesday Central. Will it be any good? It'll be mixed, probably. <laughs> I'm involved with it. Show up anyway. Listen to God's word together. Now show up. Uh, some of you might be worrying about leaving Tuesday Central, moving into... A home group, that's like proper grown-up stuff as well, isn't it? You're in a home group now. Now show up at those things. Now show up. And look, show up and share. Don't just drift in and drift out. There's different ways of sharing. Uh, the money we give at times to church. Sharing in ministry, have you found a way to do that? Showing hospitality. Inviting someone around. Saying yes when someone invites you around. There's There's all sorts of ways to do that. That's what we need. And to hear God's word within a church family, to listen and do, to show up and share. I suppose the only other thing to ask is, look, like Thomas when he says, my Lord and my God, it's always a question to keep checking and making sure for ourselves that we've done that. Have you made it personal for yourself? 
Have you said to the Lord Jesus, do you know what, I've read this gospel, I've heard it, and I believe it's true, I believe you are the Lord, the Son of God, and I want you to be my Savior. John's written this so you might believe it and ask Jesus to be your Savior. You don't need to do that in a fancy way if you know it. If you think tonight, do you know what, I'd like to do that, you can say that just in the quietness of your own heart. We're going to stop there for a moment. I'm going to leave you a bit of time for quiet, and then Steve is going to lead us through the next part of our service. There might be something from what we've read tonight. You might be a Christian already, things that you just want to say quietly to the Lord. It might be you think tonight, do you know what? I've not yet said to the Lord, uh, I want to be a Christian. I want to follow you. Why not do that now as well? Just as we have a moment's quiet before Steve leads us on, just say that to him. Uh, Please would you forgive me and bring me into your family. Let's pray.